0: On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we are going to be talking about the inverted yield curve. I know your eyes just glassed over. I get it. I get it. No one's ever heard of this before, except for a few people in the financial world. But I'm going to tell you, you want to listen, you want to learn about it, because apparently the inverted yield curve is an indicator of troubling, troubling things in the markets, in the economy. Many experts are saying this is the barometer, this is the first sign of a recession looming, You might want to learn, as I do, why the inverted yield curve matters and, frankly, what it is. Also, there is food being offered at the CNE that opens on Friday. Weird food, bizarre food. Just like usual, they are offering up all kinds of weirdness. We're joined by an excellent, creative, well-respected chef from this area, from this city, to go through some of the stuff and tell us whether it's delicious sounding, whether it's bizarre sounding, whether it's something he would eat, or whether it is just the result of some chef being dropped on his head as a child. We'll do all of that. Stick around.
1: Today on the Scott radley Show on 900 CHML.
0: Now, I want to dive into something here that some of you may know this, some of you may get this, some of you may be very familiar with this. I suspect many of you have heard about this and have no idea which is why we're doing it, because if you listen with any regularity at all to this show, you'll know that I know little, and claim to know little, I'm not fooling anyone, about economics. This is not my area. Uh, Over the past couple of days, as a result, I've been reading about story after story from economists and money folks. They're all talking about concerns stemming from the yield curve inverting, which to me could be written in Sanskrit and talked about in foreign tongues. I have no idea what that means. The yield curve inverting. I couldn't even pretend that I know what this is and fudge my way through it. But here's the problem with me not knowing, and maybe you too, I don't know. The warnings that many of these people, many of these experts are offering when they're talking about the yield curve inverting certainly sound rather dire. Words like recession and other things are popping up when people are talking about this, uh, which makes me think I should probably try to figure out and understand what's going on. As I say, I don't know, but thankfully I know someone who does know how to explain this stuff. His name is Marvin Ryder. He's at the Dragoot School of Business. He joins us now. Marvin, thanks for doing this today.
1: And yet you can figure out how to throw a slider in baseball.
0: We all have our things, right? I
1: guess so. I guess so. Yes, sir.
0: Uh, Before we get to the inverted yield curve, because I think that's certainly where this story is, uh, perhaps we should start by just explaining what the yield curve is so we can have a beginning point.
1: Sure. So uh, if I have some money to invest, I can go into the stock market and I can buy shares of a company. When I do that, I'm buying a little piece of the company. But I have another thing I could invest in, and that is the debt of companies or oftentimes the debt of governments, state, uh, provincial or federal governments. Uh, A bond is what we call that, that piece of the debt. A bond comes normally in values or increments of $1,000, and with that bond comes two things. A time duration, so this is a five-year bond, it's a three-year bond, this is the time period by which you'll be paid back, and there'll be an interest rate attached to that. So what a yield curve is, is I plot the various interest rates by the varied time periods, And if I do that, I get a nice little curve. And the typical normal yield curve says that I pay a little more if I'm going to have a 10-year bond than a five-year or two years. In other words, the longer you need the money, the better you're going to have to give me to encourage me to to sign up for that longer bond. So, uh, again, a simple example, a five-year bond might be at 3%. A 10-year bond might be 3.2%. A two-year bond might only be 2.5%. And you plot that out, you have that nice upward sloping yield curve. So that then begs the question, how do you get an inverted yield curve? And what happens there is that somewhere in the middle, the rates take a little dip down before they go back up. And so more typically, we look at a bond that maybe is two years out, three years out, even five years out. And it's value is depressed. It's lower than the return at 10, but it's also lower than the return in one year. And what that is signaling is the market, thinks, the market thinks that on that scale, two years, three years, five years, the central bank is going to have to cut interest rates. Well, why would the bank have to cut interest rates? And this is why people start talking about recessions, because in recessions, central banks move in, they cut the interest rates to stimulate the economy. Maybe the easiest way I can get you to understand this in a way is um, if it rains and you look up in the sky, you see dark clouds. Uh, on the other hand, you've seen lots of dark clouds and it hasn't necessarily rained. So this is a dark cloud. This inverted yield curve is a dark cloud. We always have this dark cloud when there's a recession, but there are also times that we see the dark cloud and there's no recession that happens. That's why people are getting panicky about all of this.
0: Okay, so let's go back just to recap this and, and we only have and then I'm gonna to get to something else. But so you have governments or businesses that need to borrow money in order to pay their bills. You can buy into that, they give you a bond and they will pay you a percentage of that and the longer you keep it in, the longer you're willing to let them have your money, the higher the interest rate is going to be. Typically, Typically. right? Typically. Okay. And that would be your yield curve. And then if it flips because suddenly things look like it's going to go bad that yield curve goes the other way, the parabola bends the other way a little bit. Right. Essentially, if I can break it right down then, all this is, is all the economists and the people who are playing the stock market having a great deal of pessimism about where things are going. Is that
1: In, in the shorter term, so two to three years down the road, they still like it ten years out, they still like it one year out, but in two to three, they, they see this dip happening. Why everyone's kind of looking at these storm clouds and being worried is that historically in Canada, time period between recessions is about 10 years. We last had a recession in 2007-8. I had 10 years, I get 17-18. Wait a minute, this is 19. We're a little overdue for a recession. It's a bit again like you live next door to a volcano, supposed to erupt every 10 years. It's 12 years, you hear a little rumble, you think, oh, this may be it. So people are attuned to this and they're worried about this. But I can tell you that Inverted yield curves do not always lead to a recession, Uh, and the reason why we're all up in arms is there are two big world events happening this fall. One is, of course, Brexit, and we have Boris Johnson leading the U.K. saying one way or another he's going to leave the European Union. Well, one way is good. That's a negotiated exit, but an exit where they just walk out, oh, my God, that could have terrible ripple effects around the world and the other is the trade war, and I'm going to phrase it to you like this, between Trump and China. It's not really the USA and China. It's Trump and China. We had a great example this week of how crazy this is. Trump woke up on Tuesday and said, huh, I was going to put tariffs on you on September 1. I have a new thought. How about December 1? Of course, he could wake up tomorrow and say, how about November 1? And that uncertainty coupled with this curve has got everyone all worried. Now, I would describe to you, again, like a thunderstorm watch versus a thunderstorm warning. If you hear a thunderstorm warning, we've seen lightning in the area, we've seen rain. Okay, batten down the hatches. But a watch says the conditions are right for a thunderstorm, but we haven't actually seen anything yet. We're in recession watch mode. The conditions are possibly going to go that way, but we won't know that until much later this year. D-
0: And while I take your point about Trump being involved with what's going on in Hong Kong right now, could we not see many other countries... Taking a stand against China economically. They may not be doing it right now, but they're not certainly going to be dropping bombs on China and having a, a literal war start, I don't think. But there could be a lot of free countries, a lot of Western countries that say, we need to put some economic sanctions on you for what you're doing in Hong Kong.
1: Well, God bless you for mentioning that. You know, at this moment, the uh, protesters have shut down the Hong Kong airport, but China has indicated they're not planning to let this go on forever. And if they have to move militarily to get them out of the airport to get things functioning again, they're prepared to do that. Well, if we could have another Tiananmen Square, if I remember that very well from the 1980s, 1990s.
0: Thirty years ago.
1: Thirty years ago. So, you know, uh, uh, if that were to happen, you're right. We could see economic sanctions, and again... All of this turbulence is nothing Canada can do about this. It's beyond our control, but it could hit us with a recession. Good news. wouldn't happen until 2020. Not going to happen in the next three or four months. But we're watching. We're watching closely.
0: How much, though, Marvin, does this become a self-fulfilling prophecy? You have all these people, and I mean, again, I'm looking at dozens of stories that I was reading, experts all over the place. Well, One of them, CNN quoted a guy, an investment guru this week. He said, uh, we should expect a recession anywhere from 6 to 18 months from today. Financial Post had a piece saying we shouldn't be asking whether we'll have a recession but how bad it's going to be. How much does this become a self-fulfilling prophecy?
1: Well, that's that's another great point. You know, if you begin to convince yourself bad news is coming, you can sometimes make it happen. Give you a simple example. We're heading in, I hate to use this word out loud in August, but we're heading into the Christmas season, which is our single biggest time for retail. If we all cut back and we didn't spend any money, we'd create our own recession, thank you very much. So, again, the trick for the average person is to be watching for these signs and symptoms, but don't feel you have to change everything at the moment, just stay tuned to see what's going on, and then be prepared to adjust. If you're having credit problems, get them under control. But otherwise, just you know, batten down the hatches. I think we'll get through this. I don't think Boris Johnson is going to do the worst, and I don't think China is going to do the worst, but... We'll have to take it on a day-to-day basis.
0: One more thing, and you touched on get your credit under control. There was one more expert I was reading who was pointing to debt as the problem and pointed to the fact that there's around the world $184 trillion in worldwide debt. Now, I don't know who owns, who, owns, who loaned all this money that they're waiting to be paid back, but, it, I mean, that's, that's a, an amount of money. If debt is really a problem here, that's an amount of money that's not going to go away anytime soon.
1: No. So here's another quick example of that. You know, everyone gets concerned. We've got a federal election coming about the state of the federal debt. Our federal government uh, owes about $700 billion, and that's a lot of money, to be sure. But you and I, individually in Canada, we owe about $3 trillion. Whatever you think about Justin Trudeau and his handling of the economy, we are bigger spendthrifts than he is in the way we're doing things. So, you know, I I think this is prudent to take a little stock of where you're going, and if you don't need to necessarily buy a new car all right don't buy a new car if you don't need to get a new house don't necessarily get a new house but don't give up on all of it still still watch closely we can get through this fall without a problem and also realize the central uh, banks they don't want a recession that's why you saw the federal reserve board cut their interest rates a couple of weeks ago we may see it again in september when they we meet again we may even see the bank of canada do this they're trying to avoid this by cushioning the blow so there's lots of people working on it I don't think it's a foregone conclusion, but there are some thunderclouds out there, so let's watch and see what happens.
0: Always appreciate you teaching class on the radio, Marvin. Thanks for doing this.
1: <laughs> My pleasure, anytime.
0: Uh, Marvin Ryder from the Negroot School of Business. So again, when you're hearing about the inverted yield curve, words you may never have heard before or said before, it is simply an indicator that the folks who deal with money on the stock market and everything else are pessimistic about the near-term future. Here's the thing though, and and, you know, Marvin makes his point, and I'm not going to disagree with Marvin, but so many other people seem to say that historically, an inverted yield curve leads to a recession. Marvin says no, they say yes, I'll trust Marvin, but none of it sounds like great news, does it?
1: You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
0: The X opens tomorrow, you may know that, Uh, and as is the case, every year there are now lots of strange exotic unusual occasionally delicious sometimes bizarre looking foods awaiting now i know food in as much as i eat it and i like to eat it and there's pretty much nothing that you can put in front of me that i won't try no matter how unusual it is i will try almost anything at least once i am not an expert however Simply an eater. I wanted to bring in someone for the conversation today as we start to go through some of the things that are going to be offered. wanted to bring someone into the conversation with a track record of creativity in the kitchen, uh, a willingness to push some culinary boundaries, a guy who can take a simple, normal thing and turn it into something spectacular. Uh, you probably know his food. If you've lived in Hamilton any period of time and been down to any of the hamburger restaurants, H-A-M-B-R-G-R, maybe I put an extra A in there that's not supposed to be there. Anyway, there's one on King William. There's one in Ottawa. There's one now in St. Catherine's. Uh, he is the guy who is behind that. He's the owner. He's the founder. His name is Michael Cipolo. How are you today, Michael?
2: I'm doing great, Scott. How are you
0: doing? I'm good, and I must say, your kimchi burger a while back was one of the greatest things I've ever put in my mouth, so well done.
2: That's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, we have a lot of fun down there, that's for sure. Uh,
0: Okay, I think some other people are having some fun, maybe too much fun, maybe combining the acid that we're talking about and the CNE food thing. I think some people may have (laughs) dropped some acid when they come up with some of these, but what I want to ask you, since you're the expert, you're the chef, you're the creative guy, let's go through some of these. Tell me, A, if you would eat these things, B, if these things have come. Combinations that make any kind of culinary sense, or if these are just insane ideas. All right, so absolutely. Uh, first up, one of the things that you can get at the CNE this year, which looks like it will cause a heart attack, but nonetheless, it also kind of looks interesting: a hot Cheetos encrusted fried chicken sandwich. So it's got a a, a crust of hot Cheetos between two cheese stuffed Doritos.
2: Yeah, you know what? I would absolutely try that. There's actually a place out in California in a car wash of all places <laughs> flaming hot cheetos everything that's really hot trend right now um we've played around with flaming hot cheetos for those who have known uh that, that follow us on instagram and whatnot so that to me is from what i've seen so far at the x one of the milder entries
0: yes very uh, crunchy it would be very crunchy it would probably fall yeah. apart in your hands
2: yeah you know what cheetos uh you'd be surprised what you can do with them very versatile People love flaming hot. It's in right now. It's familiar. So that is something that I would, I would definitely. I wouldn't eat the whole one, but I would definitely share with with with, with some of the buds or uh, maybe the family, depending upon whether or not people judge what I give to my kids. I don't know.
0: Yeah, well, you know, you can do it in private.
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you pack it up, you take it out, you go eat it in an alley somewhere.
0: Okay, so while we're talking about spicy hot things, this one caught my attention: wasabi ice cream. Ice cream infused with different levels of spice—wasabi, scorpion peppers, sriracha, etc. In your ice cream.
2: Yeah, that to me is just that. That is somebody that just was really probably hit their head last year. I wanna not I wouldn't. I wouldn't go anywhere near that. I don't think they really match up. I mean, we've all seen, you know, chilies and chocolate, but I think that's just like. Shooting the moon, going way overboard, and I don't think it's something I would try. Really,
0: I mean, they're arguing that it mixes the coolness of the ice cream because you know when you eat like hot wings or something, you always have either a glass of milk or yogurt or something. So in this case, For you're sure. just combining the two.
2: You're, you're combining the two, but I think I think the the idea of if you're doing it with one pepper, but when you start putting in the wasabi, which is a very different heat than the scorpion pepper, you're just you're just hitting. Keywords. You're just it's you know this is a lot like unicorn anything. So like unicorn anything people flock to it because that one coffee company made it very very popular, right? So well, let's let's, mean,
0: let's start with unicorning then yeah, because there is, a, there is a there uh, is a well there's a few of them, but one of them because there's a number of unicorn things. One of them is a rainbow grilled cheese. It's a grilled cheese sandwich. I don't know what kind of cheese it is, but apparently it's the stretchiest kind when you get it hot because this guy's got the cut it in half and he's got this thing stretched out literally three feet apart. Yeah. And the cheese is all red and yellow and blue and purple and everything. Would you eat a sandwich where you didn't recognize the cheese, but it was colorful?
2: Um, you know what? These are, these are some of those things that are just Instagrammable. Mm. I don't think I would. You know, I mean, being from Hamilton, I have to say, Gorilla cheese is where I go. Um, and I don't think with something like that, you really want to mess with it, especially when you see colors that don't happen in food,
0: Yeah, you know, what so color, what me, color is coming out of you the next day?
2: Well, when you combine them all together, it's <laughs> <laughs> not a pretty color, but that to me is something that just kind of is, Hey, let's just see how much, let's just see how much buzz we can create. And I, I don't know if I go for that one. Show me a really great one. And, and that's the one thing about the X, you know, throw something on there. Amazing really well done and those are the guys that are cleaning up down there those are the guys that get the multiple visitors which is great to see
0: there there has been now for uh, many years at fall fairs and i mean the x i guess is the the granddaddy of the fall fairs but at fall fairs there has been a trend towards deep fry anything throw anything in the deep fryer and let's see what happens to it deep fried deep fried veal tacos so you've got veal taco shells. I don't know how you make the taco shell out of veal, but anyway, I, deep fried veal taco shells with sausage or veggie.
2: I was just talking, you know, I was just talking to my wife right before this interview, and I said, "Hey, you know what? They're doing a, I like go a, a taco with a veal cutlet for the shell," and her response was, "Ooh," because she likes veal. So I would give that one a shot. I mean, we've seen like you know double downs, and and you know in the days of you know protein, protein, protein. At least there's no, Why well, I'm going to assume, rainbow colors in it. And not that I can see. It, yeah, as long as there's no rainbow colors in that one, that to me seems like something that might have some value to it. It would work together, you know? Why how,
0: not? How different is a deep-fried veal taco shell really from just a fried piece of veal that's breaded that you would have anyway?
2: Oh, probably not at all.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's, it's similar. It's similar yeah. enough that you would, uh, to me, it's... All you're saying is deep fried to make someone come and buy it, but it basically sounds like you've just, as you say, wrapped a sausage in a veal cutlet and you say, Here you go.
2: Will- exactly. Just, you know, take it. It's like it's like taking a breakfast sausage, dip it in, can- in pancake batter and calling it a breakfast pogo. You know, like it's it's just somebody's putting a couple of things together. Everybody's everybody's looking for different ways to eat. Everybody's looking to get away from the carbs. I'm gonna assume it's probably low carb. So it probably do very well and it would be something that I would at least be curious about to say well let's give it a try
0: fried chicken in a crepe
2: yeah that to me just sounds like somebody who had one of those crepe franchises that never really panned out and they got all the equipment <laughs> still and so they're going what are we going to do with this crepe burner and <laughs> so to me fried chicken uh, for, now if they put some flaming hot cheetos maybe but fried chicken in a crepe eh, that sounds like a lazy chicken waffle.
0: All right. How about one right up your alley? And again, for people who don't know, uh, you are the guy behind the hamburger chain. Uh, and again, how? Do you, what's the proper spelling? Is it take out all the vowels?
2: No, no. The ham. And when we when we started, ham was for Hamilton, and burger was for what we did. So H A M B R G R.
0: All right. And if anyone has not been to Hamburger, uh, do yourself a favor and make a trip there. And I'm not just saying this to suck up to Michael because he's on here. We go with some regularity. The Spec Sports Department. We get down there. This is. Um, oh, yeah. It is, it is outstanding. Uh, So let's go into a burger here that is up your alley. I don't know if you guys have ever done something like this. Um, A pierogi burger.
2: Yep, absolutely. Yeah. You know what? We've done it before. Um, We are, uh, I think those are things that go well together. Everybody loves pierogies and grilled onions. Sour cream works great. Bacon. Um, You get that pierogi pan fried, nice and crispy. I think that's a, see, that to me is a great offering especially if the pierogi is awesome, then that to me is something that I would go and get. And if it was good, would go back and get again, just because those are things we love.
0: You're not going to be hungry after you eat a burger with pierogies in it.
2: No, but you know how the X goes. You cut it up into four pieces. And then if you're down there for a few days, but that to me is just, that's a great thing. That to me is, it's not wild unless it was a unicorn pierogi, but (laughs) that to me is something that, you know, has, you know, you could have that there a couple years in a row and nobody would bat an eye at having it again or coming back for it.
0: This next one, I don't see this next one most of it. I don't even understand why it's here because it seems very normal. It seems like you could get something like this at almost any breakfast place except for the last little twist. It's called Waken Bacon. It's a waffle bowl loaded with tater tots, eggs, bacon all right, so far that just sounds like, as I say, almost like a breakfast buffet wrapped into one bowl, uh, but slathered in hollandaise sauce. I, up until the hollandaise sauce, I'm thinking that's that's really delicious. Does hollandaise sauce go with tater tots and bacon?
2: You know what it does. Um, All right. If, it, if it's a real hollandaise and those that cook and, and know what I'm talking about, if it's not that powdered stuff, which I'm going to guess at the volume of the exit is, but if you made that with a real hollandaise, that's some dirty, kind of like eat it in your underwear and a t-shirt late at night thing. <laughs> but Hollandaise goes on a lot of stuff. In fact, we used to do it on a burger as well. It goes on a lot of stuff. That doesn't sound like something I want to eat and walk around in a nice, hot, late August day. But it go it works. It works.
0: All right. This one, uh, as I said off the top... I am willing to eat almost anything. I love almost anything. One food I struggle with, and it's the texture, it's the squeakiness of it, is cheese curds. Uh, I don't don't hate them, but they throw me for a little bit of a loop. So here, cheesecake curds, deep-fried cheese curds topped with cherry or blueberry pie filling, drizzled in cream cheese icing, and dusted in graham cracker crust.
2: Yeah, that's just wrong on so many levels. Deep-fried cheese curds... I'm a a fan of cheese curds, especially if you get them fresh. Um, They have their place. I don't think they ever have their place topped with pie filling. (laughs) You know what? Now, you want to amp that up, dice up some cheesecake, deep fry that, and cover it with all those other things, and you've got an X winner. But the cheese curds piece is just too salty. I think too salty to go with that combination. Maybe next time we'll have to – Maybe that's something I'll do for the future. We'll do a cheesecake curd for something down at the restaurant, but not something I would go with.
0: Well, I know that you guys have had, because I've had them at your place before, deep fried pickles. Oh, yeah. All right, deep fried pickles. That's a that's an old standby. That's a favorite now. People love deep yeah. fried pickles. Oh, yeah. What about... What you're coming up here. I know this one. <laughs> what about deep... Well, what about deep fried avocado?
2: Yeah, actually, you know what? We we also have a, a, an uh, Angelino-style taqueria that we opened... Uh, late last year out in St. Catharines, and we have a masa-crusted avocado taco, and it does very well. So deep-fried avocados are really hot right now, um, especially if they're being done in a corn flour or something gluten-free. So yeah, 100%, you see them popping up on menus all over the place. I think they're, they'd be a very popular dish, especially amongst the you know people that are being, I hate to say health-conscious and eating at the X, but you know,
0: and you deep can, fried.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And the deep <laughs> fried part, but Hey, you know, keto, keto's hot right now. And as long as it's, uh, as long as it's, you know, checking some boxes, the, the, the texture, some people don't like the mushy of avocado. So the deep fried gives it the crunch. Avocado probably got some ridiculous dipping sauce with it and, and all that, but you know, as a component to something else, they're awesome.
0: Uh, the, okay. Here we go back to the, the heat, the scorpion burrito, Canada's hottest burrito. Now, yeah. see here, I, I I love hot food. There sure. is a point though, at which it seems like it's more of you're proving something than actually enjoying your food.
2: Exactly. Yeah. I think, I think once you, for me personally, once you get beyond scotch bonnets or habaneros, it really all is just, uh, you know, chest pounding competition at that point. I mean, any of anybody that's ever gotten anything too hot knows exactly what I'm talking about. I'm sure you've, you've, made the mistake. It really is just trying to prove something. I think it's one of those things that you, you know, again, it's like the unicorn thing. Oh, we'll just throw scorpion peppers on it. And somebody will buy it. And
0: because, then walk know. around the X the rest of the day, wishing oh, that yeah. they were dead.
2: Exactly. Exactly. If you make it out, if you... some of those things can have some serious side effects, like I've, I've stumbled across some hot stuff and had some serious side effects from it, things that you don't think could happen to you like just with your own, like mental health, (laughs) they can get really bad.
0: I, I, I have not gone to the levels of, you know, the super, super, super spicy things. Uh, and don't really have any desire to do it because I, first of all, I don't want my stomach to burst into flames and I don't want the rest of me to burst into flames on the rest of the, yeah, the other half. And, um, um, okay. Apple cheesecake poutine. So it's, uh, I guess it's sliced apple with cheese and see, here's the thing. A- apples and cheese, a lot of people, my grandmother going way, way back when she would have apple pie always had a slice of cheddar cheese on it, Yep. which yep. was, which today is kind of weird, but that was a thing.
2: No, that is a thing. I just had this argument with my family. They thought I was trying to uh, play some joke on them. You're absolutely right. A nice piece of pie, uh, apple pie with a slice of sharp cheddar, that is a thing and it is great. Why does it, it work? It's really good. I think it's, I, well, think about when you go to, I don't know if you ever drink in an old English pub with a glass of, you know, like a, a brown ale and a, and, a, and a cheese plate, and you get one of those, uh, you know, you get a, you get some apple slices, you get a nice sharp cheddar. I think the sharp cheddar, the sweet of the apple, they kind of balance each other really nice.
0: Spicy peanut butter cookie dough bacon burger. There's a lot that in that mouthful right there. Spicy peanut butter cookie dough bacon burger.
2: Everything sounds great, but the cookie dough part. We've done a peanut butter bacon time, Uh, peanut butter glazed bacon, really good. The salty and the richness of the the peanut butter is great. Spicy works well. The cookie dough, again, I think that's just a buzzword. Leave out the cookie dough and I think it's a great combo.
0: Again, I think it it attracts attention and it gives it a sweetness, I suppose. Because, I mean, is this not one of the things that everyone's trying to do now is to mix all the different sensations of your tongue together so that you enjoy everything all at once?
2: I think, they, I think, yeah, maybe they are. I think a lot more of it is you're at the axe. Let's see who can be more outrageous. Fair enough. And we've, seen, we've seen that trend, right? You're at the axe. You know you're, you're going to buy it once and you're going to leave. You're walking into that food hall. I want to get your money. You know you buy for me before you go, and I won't see you for another year. So there definitely is a race going on down there. And, you know, they're trying to go above and beyond.
0: All right, three more quickly. Mushroom coffee. This, I cannot fathom putting mushrooms of any kind into the coffee that I'm drinking, but they're offering it.
2: <laughs> you know what? It probably would work. I don't know if it would appeal to everybody. I mean, some of us may have had mushrooms in the tea, might have been at Woodstock, might have not been at Woodstock, <laughs> but um, I could see those things going together. I don't know why anybody would pay for it.
0: <laughs> well, okay. As, as a chef, coffee beans appeal to what part of your tongue? Is it bitter?
2: Uh, sometimes bitter, acidic. Okay, uh, you know, are the two things. You know, I like good acidic coffee, and then I think the mushrooms is that umami that everybody's talking about. That newly, you know, that fifth, that fifth flavor, that fifth taste. Um, in the hands of a good coffee maker, I'm sure. I mean, I, we've seen weirder things. I mean, we drink kombucha, which is like a mushroom grow. You know, I said they they consider it like a mushroom tea almost, right? With what grows on top. Um, so I think it could work, but I don't know why I would go search for it. Well,
0: I guess you're right about the, we've put weirder things. I had someone on here a few months ago, uh, from a coffee place in San Francisco and they sell the coffee that some creature in the Amazon has has pooped out the beans and then you cook them. So if you want to drink poop coffee, I guess mushroom coffee is nothing.
2: Yeah, poop coffee is very expensive. It is really expensive. Imagine the guy that's gotta go collect that, right? Talk about fair trade. That's shit. Yeah. A tough contract to negotiate.
0: Yeah. So, you know, there's I don't think we we offer, we don't have anyone producing poop coffee in this country, thank goodness. Thank God. Not the beans, anyway. <laughs> All right, last two, they are similar. Uh pickle pizza. See, I looked at this and I said, This looks delicious. Yeah. Pickle pizza.
2: I, I think that's great. I mean, you know, I mean, at least it's not pineapple. Um, oh, I could go with that
0: too. Pickle and pineapple.
2: Pickle and pineapple. I mean, pickle works. People have done cheeseburger pizzas. I don't see why you, you know, pickle peppers on pizza. I think of pickle pizza. When I saw the list come out, I actually thought that was mild. I was like, hmm. But it's appealing to the pickle lover.
0: How has that not been something before this?
2: I've seen cheeseburger pickles with it. We do a cheeseburger poutine, and we put chopped pickles on, and people love it. But I mean, that kind of is in a in a in a burger application. Um, but you're absolutely right. Why is this not out there? And I think I think you you might you know if, if it becomes the thing everybody's talking about by the end of summer, it I'm may sure be. When our big chains will have it on there. Yeah.
0: All right, last one, and you're going to have to again as a chef, as someone who understands the palate, you're going to have to explain how this combination could possibly work in any way because I don't
2: get this. Sure. Pickle lemonade. Lemonade, yes. I look at it like this. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm down south right now, and think of a margarita with that, lime, that, that tart margarita and that salty rim. That's the only thing I could think it would work. First thought would be, why would I drink this? As I thought about it more, I was intrigued. And I think, depending on how they're making it, if it's got that salty briny pickle and that sour lemonade, and you have yourself a little Mickey in the pocket, maybe top it up with a little uh, <laughs> rum. I mean, you probably might have something there. I mean, we've all, if anybody's heard of a pickleback, you know, a whiskey with a shot of pickle juice or whatnot. So I could see it working from a culinary standpoint just because salty and sweet are two things that work good to counter each other from a taste perspective. So.
0: I think it'll work in the sense that they will get, it. they will sell a million cups of this stuff just so people can say they tried it.
2: There'll be gallons, there'll be there'll be thousands of liters of that stuff flowing for the, sure. The, and it's the, a low commitment thing. That's, that's the, true. The thing about that,
0: right? The the downside of this is a lot of people are going to say, well, I'm not going to the X or I don't want to spend the money. I'll mix this at home, and I can't imagine the homemade versions of what it would taste like if you don't uh-huh. have the right mixture.
2: And, and not only that, if, if you're drinking it four hours in and it's not in an insulated cup and it's nice and warm, oh, you still have your own uh, uh, pickled lemonade kombucha by the end of the show. If you grab some of that mushroom coffee, top it off, wash down your flaming hot Cheeto uh, unicorn funnel cake, and you're oh, good to go.
0: <laughs> well, so so I, I know you're down south. I, know you, I think you're in Florida or somewhere right now. I dare yep. you today to go to some bar somewhere and say, can you make me a dill pickle lemonade and see what the look would be? Videotape the look on that bartender's face when you ask for that.
2: Well, you know what? Down south in the States, they would probably embrace the (laughs) idea. God only knows. (laughs) It is, um,
0: well, it's all available to CNE if you want to uh, go try it. If you don't want to go all the way to the CNE to get some good food, as I say, Hamburger, all the restaurants that are around here, uh, St. Catharines, uh, Michael who who is the guy behind that. Michael, really appreciate the time. Thanks no for your problem. insights today. Enjoy your time.
2: Thank you very much. Take
0: care. That is, uh, that is some interesting, occasionally gross stuff. I'm, I'm not sold on the pickle lemonade. I mean, maybe there's a, I'm assuming they've tested this before they put it out to the public. I'm sure someone mixed it and went, mm, that's better than I thought. But who is, like so many other things, who is the person who put this together and then said, I'm going to drink that? Because it may taste great. Who was that? That's a weird, touched, bizarre person who says, I'm going to mix pickle juice with lemonade because that'll be wonderful. I can't even imagine what else this person eats.
2: The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on
1: 900 CHML.